Hey, LDLers, in this episode, you know what? Shelly's reading this letter. So I got this one. I, I got have it. no effing Don't clue. Don't all acting like you know what's going on over here, Mary. <laughs> in today's episode, we are reading a letter from Melody Joy, who basically is telling her story about getting out of the church. Okay. And I'm saving the details for the actual reading of the letter. So I see how you are. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get to it. All righty. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Mary. And I'm Shelly. And this is episode 21 of LDL Letters. The Latter-day Lesbian Midweek Mail uh, Podcast. The Podcast. <laughs> uh, can I just say uh-huh. it's freezing ass cold in our house? Well, we turn off podcast. the heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like we went from just having air conditioning running all the time to like having heat. What yeah, happened? seriously, we had, we had the AC running. Uh-huh. We did. We went to Phoenix, came back, turned the heat on. Yep, that's what happened. When, when I went to go pick up my daughter from a party she was at last night mm-hmm. at uh, 1130 at night, it was mm-hmm. 29 degrees. Yeah, sure was. I just want to say on um, the record, that's that's bullshit. Bull yeah, shit. Yeah, it seemed like fall didn't happen in mm-hmm. Northern Virginia. No, mm-hmm. now I'm freezing. And uh, we're going to do this letters and we're going to go get tacos. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, here we go. This is from Melody Joy. Okay, thanks, Melody Joy. Dear... Shelly and Mary, I put off writing this letter thinking surely somebody else would write in with something similar, but nope, not so far. Don't call me Shirley. Just kidding. (laughs) God. Okay, so here goes. My ancestors helped to start the early church, prop up Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, and settle pretty much the entire Mormon corridor. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Fuck that shit. (laughs) My foremothers produced a whole passel of kids for their polygamous Mormon husbands. Four mothers? My foremothers. Oh, like my mother's before me. F O R E. She doesn't have four mothers. I was like, wow, is this like Oh my God. Mary's not even drinking. (laughs) Hey, you know what? It's Mormon stuff. That's true. It could be completely possible. Like the number four mothers. (laughs) Yeah, it takes a village. No, you're right. You're right. They kept begetting because begetting happens. And now about half of those legions of descendants are dying in the pews on Sundays and begetting more little Mormons the rest of the week. Mm. And the other half are over my dead body, never going back post-former ex-Mormons. Pofo Exmos, she says. Pofo Exmos. Pofo Exmo. Put it on a a (laughs) t-shirt. And then there's me. Best little Mormon girl there ever was, except I was never good enough. I was the third of six kids. My parents already had one kid of each flavor, so I was super, superfluous? Superfluous. God damn it. (laughs) Say it, Mary. Superfluous. As were the three who came after me. She was so extra, but not in the way that extra is used today. Oh, got you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Nothing I could do would ever be unique or even interesting. I decided I would be the best at whatever I did so they could at least be proud of me for being the best. By the time I got to high school, I was the best faster, hello anorexia, best daterer of nice Mormon boys, most chaste, most modest, most praiseworthy, no cussing, drinking, spitting, or necking, most dateable, hell, heck. I was even voted most musically inclined. Wow. She That's was a lot of superlatives right there. Mm-hmm. That can't all fit on a yearbook page. No, no, can't. <laughs> I was proclaimed a golden girl by all the young Mormon guys. She was in my another B. Arthur. <laughs> oh my God. Sure as shit. Okay, just ignore me. No, no, never do. <laughs> that meant I was a safe date, someone they could tell their mothers about, or maybe it meant I was a joke they shared with each other when I wasn't around. Maybe both. Great, right? Except not. None of that bestness or mostness made me feel valued or relevant or loved. It was all driven by my mostly subconscious awareness that nothing I would ever do would matter because I was a Mormon girl and my job was to get married and make babies. And that had been done a kabillion times already. I couldn't do it any better than anyone else. And I was pretty sure I was actually going to suck at it because deep down, I did not want a dozen babies and I wasn't at all sure I wanted a husband. Mm. That is the quandary. Mm -hmm. Also, somehow I always knew, again, subconsciously, it all was hokum. I asked all the hard questions. I read all the books. The more I read, the more I learned, the more I knew it had to be baloney. But what else could I do? My whole family was Mormon. Whenever anyone tried to leave, I was assured it was just temporary that they would be back. Our family was eternal, so nobody could ever really leave, right? If they couldn't ever really leave, what chance did I have? Hmm. So I put things on my shelf. That shelf again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, Polygamy. I think that goes on a lot of people's shelves. I think maybe yeah. a lot of people don't actually know about it, but when they do hear about it, they're like, what the fuck? And they put it on their shelf. Right. When I was younger, I thought both my parents had just had a lot of aunts, but then I went to seminary. They were teaching church history that year. Hello, Joseph Smith, treasure hunter, scoundrel, philanderer, pedophile, adulterer in the name of the new and everlasting covenant, fictionalized scriptorian, presidential wannabe, rabble rouser, Printing press destroyer, visionary spinner of tall tales, and charmer of women of all ages. And those are his good points. <laughs> <laughs> this was the 1970s, so nobody used words like pedophile or philanderer or scoundrel. Instead, Brother Joseph was presented as a saint and a prophet, the chosen one. Mm. It's amazing how they can take all those things and paint it as yeah, he's I don't an know amazing how they prophet. Do that. I'm not sure. Someone tell us. Uh, How do you do do that shit? (laughs) How does that work? Well, as far as polygamy, they say he didn't want to do it. He loved Emma. Um, He was against it. God made him. Yeah, God made him. An angel with a flaming (laughs) sword came to him and said, I will kill you if you don't do this. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have sex or you die. God, I hate Mormons. (laughs) All that detail was reverently shared as validation of our pioneer forebears' sacrifices for the kingdom of God. But that still small voice kept poking at me saying, this doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. I kept telling it to shut up and not bother me. I was trying to be best. I didn't have time for petty distractions like logic and truth. Mm -hmm. I finished high school, went to BYU to get a law degree and help people. You already know how this next part goes. The first Sunday in my BYU student ward, I met a guy who ticked all the boxes. We were engaged within two months and married in the Salt Lake Temple the next spring. Wow. Happily ever after, right? Oh, my goodness. Fucking Breedham Young University. It just feels like we were just watching Shelley's guilty pleasure of a show uh-huh. called 90 Day Fiance. Oh, we were watching that. And it kind of <laughs> reminds me of that a lot yeah, of times, some of these stories. Yeah, it's like, you look like you might work. Let's get hitched. I mean, that's how BYU works, by the way. It's kind of like people getting married who barely a know meat each market. other. 
Yep. Like a singles ward. Yes. That's still something I don't really understand, how you can be directed to go to one congregation or another. I don't really get that. They tell you where to go. Who's they? The bishopric, the stake, the everything. You just know this thing. This is where you go. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Anyway, back to the letter. Okay, she says, happily ever after, right? Well, no. Turned out his shelf was every bit as full and heavy as mine. He quit going to church the week after we were married. He also turned out to not really be in love with me, but had pretended he was so I would marry him and get his parents off his case. Oh, my God. He had aged out and become a menace to society. Oh, we, we just talked, talked about, about that. that. Yeah. It's tender mercy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had fallen for it hook, line, and sinker because, well, I needed to get married, too. I couldn't risk being unmarried at age 21 because I knew I couldn't go on a mission. I just couldn't. So there we were, stuck with each other not able to admit it to each other or even to ourselves. Yeah, 21 is old, the right? Old, the old maid. <laughs> you even have ovaries at that point? Jeez. <laughs> they just want to dry up? <laughs> dry up at 21. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we needed to get out of the church, but we had no roadmap to follow and no one we could safely ask. This was pre-social media, pre-digital anything. Libraries still had card catalogs. What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Dewey, Dewey Decimal. Decimal. The solution. We were both history majors at BYU, the second best repository in the world for information about Mormon anything. We both got jobs on campus working for professors who were doing serious research into church history and theology. We had access to information nobody else had access to because it was locked up tight. What kind of stuff? Well, stuff that's available now, at least some of it, documented in the CES letter and the gospel topics essays, but without the whitewash. Okay, we need to read those sometime. We do. We Mm -hmm. do. And on the Exmo Reddit, some stuff that's still not available. I'm being intentionally vague here because I'm not really interested in getting anyone in trouble with the church. Not only could we not copy anything we saw, we couldn't talk about it with anybody except our immediate bosses and with each other. Even though we were both secretly unhappy with the match we'd made, we were also each other's only safe outlet as we watched what was left of our beliefs and faith crumble around us. Wow. So they're in a sham of a marriage and in a sham of a faith. They're learning more and more how much of a sham it is, and they're just stuck. (laughs) Depressed. They should be drinking at this point, I'm thinking. (laughs) It's not allowed. (laughs) True. Yeah. Okay, the more we saw and read, the more obvious it became. The church had a lot of secrets. None of them were sacred, and a lot of them were heinous. Mm. The church stood to lose political and legal power, social status, members, and money if people knew the truth. The church was doing what it had always done. It was protecting itself by hiding, whitewashing, and lying. We knew it, and we couldn't say or do anything. Oh, wow. (sighs) That sucks. Yeah. Everything about our lives was completely immersed in and controlled by the church. Everything was at risk. Our education, our jobs, our marriage, our family relationships, our church memberships, everything. We were poor and dependent and trapped until we could get done with school and find steady jobs. We couldn't chance talking to anybody. But the weekly loyalty test on top of the daily charade to keep up appearances put a terrible strain on our already difficult relationship. So weekly loyalty test, does that mean like just going to church every Sunday? going to church. Okay. We moved at least 10 times during those years to avoid church callings and tithing settlement and temple recommend interviews. Whenever we needed to renew our ecclesiastical endorsements for another school year, we'd temporarily become active again just long enough to get through the process. Can you pause? Ecclesiastical endorsements? Do you not know what that is? How the heck would I know what that is? <laughs> Write it down. That's a phone pod. I'm putting it. Hold on. <sighs> All right. Growing up Mormon had taught me how to be a really, really good liar, a skill I was later able to use to keep the church off my back. It's not something I'm proud of. And wow, unlearning that one has required a whole new level of self-awareness and discipline. It all seems so obvious now, but at the time, it was almost all done on a subconscious level. We just had to survive until we could get the hell, oops, I mean heck, out of Utah for good. Oh, we had a baby in there too. 
There's something in the water in Utah County. Don't go there if you don't want to reproduce. We had to have the baby blessed in our local ward so nobody would get suspicious about our inactivity and rat us out to the honor code police. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, because they're still at BYU. Yeah. Okay. We could only ever really trust each other. It was a lonely and stressful way to live. We finally escaped from Utah, but not the church. My spouse even ended up in a profession that required regular research into Mormon history, so he was still swimming in the jello daily. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally. Literally. Mm -hmm. Even though we both reached the same conclusion about the church being an utter fiction, patriarchy still ran deep in our veins. I gave up my professional ambitions to support my spouse, like a good Mormon wife would. His education, his career, his professional development was always more important and always trumped anything I wanted. My job was to make sure he was happy, and as had always been true, no matter how good I was, and I was the best, it wasn't enough. Hmm. Decades later, he was done with school. He had his dream job, and we had a giant custom-built home, a fabulous kid, and financial stability. It was my turn. I went back to school. Two weeks into the semester, I learned that my spouse was cheating on me big time on purpose with a colleague. Oh, my goodness. She was 10 years younger than me. Mm. Wow. When I confronted him, he told me he was done, done with anything that had anything to do with the church. I was church-related baggage, so he was also done being married to me. Okay. He said he still loved me. That I was a better partner and that I was even better in bed than she was. Really? Who says stuff like that to their wife? Wow. But he wanted her. I still love you, but I'm cheating on you. Yeah. <laughs> that seems... You're better in bed than than my girlfriend is, but I'm still want to be with her. Because she's a trophy her. wife. She's younger. And, and why is this even something that you would say? Like, and why? how is that a sign of love? Huh. I don't <sighs> buy the whole I love you, but. Yeah. Anyway, he tried to sell his new plan of happiness by asking if maybe we could all be friends so I could keep doing all the supportive wifey things I had always done for him. Oh, come on. Because why not? Oh, like iron my clothes and cook my food Mm -hmm. or or something? He was holding on to the one tiny bit of Mormon bullshit that made him feel okay about cheating on me and tearing our life apart. Well, how did he feel good about cheating on her? I don't know. Because then she could still perform her wifely duties and that made everything okay? Sure. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I like his logic. He sounds amazing, (laughs) by the way. Truly, he has a dizzying intellect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was the day I drew a line in the sand for the first time ever. I told him no. He was genuinely surprised that I didn't agree to his proposed plan. Our relationship, always based on my compliance with his wishes, quickly escalated to nonstop hostile intensity and violent threats. Think fists smashing holes in walls and rage-fueled dish throwing. Oh, my God. You know, I see this a lot, that the husband in these Mormon relationships is a fantastic, awesome guy until the wife says, I don't want to do what you say I should do. Oh, sure. But you I know? mean, is that really well, awesome? that's what I mean. He's actually not. He's just getting his way. And as soon as anyone says, I don't want to give you your way, they turn into dicks. Well, his way sucks. Right. Yeah. Oof. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. This sucks. He moved out for a trial separation. He ran out of money after six months, so he begged to move back in, saying he wanted to try again. I wanted to believe him. He was so convincing. Also, telling him no would have led to more screaming and fighting. I agreed, but with a no strikes rule. Any screw-ups, and he would be gone for good. He moved back in. Within less than 12 hours, he was back at her house in her bed. I ordered him out. I know. He sounds like a great guy. (laughs) I ordered him out. He refused to leave. 
I filed for divorce and sent him packing. 25 years to the day after we got engaged, the divorce was final. Wow. I used to blame him exclusively. I still blame him a lot, but now I mostly blame the Mormon church and its special brand of inbred privileged patriarchy, oppression, and marginalization of women and anyone not white cis male. Grooming and abusive children, lies, fraud, trauma, and bullshit. My ex was born a self-absorbed narcissist, but the church enabled and exasperated that trait times a thousand. I'm pretty sure Mormonism attracts narcissists. The one who learned to play the game the best gets to sit in the big red chairs at conference. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I don't think anyone's born a narcissist, but mm-hmm. it's really easy to learn that in a Mormon patriarchal household. Oh, for sure. I think maybe yeah. some people could have narcissistic tendencies. You mm-hmm. throw them in Mormonism and they become full-blown oh, ass yeah. wipes. Yeah. It's perfect for them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So before we continue with this letter, I think we should take a little breaky break. Mm, let's pay some bills. We okay. can have some, like, make sure we pay the heating bill because I'm freezing down here. <laughs> okay, we'll put that at the top of the okay, list. Okay, cool. Be right back. We're back. Can I keep reading? Yeah, I believe you can. You may. Thank you. Yes, I know you can. May I keep reading? Yes, you may. Okay. Two years after the divorce, the bishop of my ex's new ward called me out of the blue. He hummed and hawed for a few minutes and then asked if I would testify against my ex in a church disciplinary hearing. Apparently, he had published something that had made the brethren unhappy. Huh. Interesting. I asked what I was supposed to contribute to their kangaroo court. (laughs) Crickets. Then, well, we thought that since you're no longer married, you'd be willing to tell us where he got his information. I said, why would you think that? More crickets, more crickets. I needed some seagulls to help me out. (laughs) Do you get that? Uh, seagulls eat cricket? No, I don't know. Oh my gosh, she doesn't know that stupid pioneer story that's bullshit. Why would I know a I, pioneer I don't know. story? I thought everyone knew it, but I was Mormon. <laughs> Do you want to tell the pioneer story? Well, well they know. Maybe we'll quiz you on it. I'll t- I bet you that story is going to be in one of the primary lessons that I'll be teaching to you. Okay, well, I cannot wait. I, I, I bet. Riveting. Back to the story. I said, let me explain something to you. My relationship with my ex is difficult enough, largely thanks to the church and its meddling influence. You didn't care at all that he was cheating on me when we were married, and now you're asking me to be a stool pigeon so you can excommunicate him for apostasy? The church never fought a single battle for me and has only ever made my life harder and more miserable. You guys are on your own. Mm, Good point. That's yet another favor my ex owes me for. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward one more time. I realized that if I didn't get my temple ceiling canceled, there was a chance my ex might someday try to exercise his right to claim me in the hereafter. It's all fake. It's fake. (laughs) And it's not a real thing. Melody Joy, it's fake. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I sent a letter to the church asking for a ceiling cancellation. They ignored me. I sent another one. They insisted that I must have a bishop send my request, and they must notify my ex so he could comment if he felt like it. Of course, he contacted me, asking me if I was going back to church. Was I getting married again? Blah, blah, blah. I just ignored him. Go me. (laughs) The bishop was required to ask if I was temple-worthy and to challenge my desire to sever my ceiling bond. That bishop didn't personally care if I canceled my ceiling, but he was under orders. The brethren will never willingly let you do anything that loosens their grip on you if they think they can prevent it. Oh, my God. I said there was no reason I could not hold a temple recommend and that I'd rather be a ministering angel than be tied forever to a partner I couldn't trust. Do you have options? And I think she's being sarcastic here. Oh, okay. She's like, well, yeah, I'm temple worthy, but I don't want to be sealed to this dude. Being a ministering angel, those are the people in heaven that aren't temple sealed. They get to be ministering angels. Okay. Did you not know this? This isn't common knowledge. 
Huh. <laughs> like a flight attendant? Yeah, like the bathrooms are down the hall. Like, can I get you a cup of coffee? Oh, no, you don't drink coffee. <laughs> a ministering angel. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> Jesus. You know, maybe we are ministering angels on this planet. I think we are. Hmm. And we're not temple worthy. And, spoiler alert, we're going to get everybody a cup of coffee. Every fucking body. Anybody who wants mm-hmm. one, that's coming up. It's coming up. Spoiler alert, but we're not going to spoil yet. <laughs> okay, it works. I still can't quite believe it. I got my notice of stealing cancellation about a week after I declared myself an eternal ministering angel. Freedom. <laughs> now we get calls from the missionaries every six months or so. Do you think that if I tell them I'm an intractable demi-sapio-pansexual apostate that they might leave me alone? Wow, that's a lot that's of letters or something. Mm-hmm. Titles. I just, titles. I just figured out all that core sexuality stuff out a few weeks ago. It's amazing what your brain and heart can discover when stress, insanity, and guilt go away. That's awesome. It's true, right? I didn't know I was gay until I left the church. Yeah. Let's just like drop all that hate. I know. It's like the next day you're like, hey, I think I'm attracted to lesbians. Huh, I'll be damned. Huh. How about that? Uh, Melody goes on to say, I can't believe I'm telling you all of this stuff I've never told anyone else. Well, guess what, Melody? You've now told thousands of people. <laughs> so hope that's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, she says, maybe it's because even though we've never met in person, I already know I can trust you two more than I could ever trust some deluded, self-important, ordained dude in a suit. Well, I'm not arguing with that. That's yeah. for sure. But do you trust us to keep a secret? Because whoopsie. Whoop, whoopsie. <laughs> thousands are listening. Uh-huh. Thanks for everything you're doing to help po-fo ex-mos come to grips with their Mormon experience. You are saving lives, literally. Please carry on. Love to you both and to Eddie and Domino. Signed, Melody Joy. Aww, that's a great Aww, letter. Melody, that was so great. And I also want to include, um, where is it? In this uh, email that she sent, she said, um, if you want to put something like this in the show notes, that would be swell. Uh, we kind of suck at show notes, so I'm just going to... No, not necessarily. Right we can put them in the show notes. We'll do that too. Can I read it? Yes, you may. Melody Joy's working with her friend, author Melena Crockett, to finish a memoir about her Mormon life. She promises to send LDL an update when it's ready. Oh, there very you go. cool. All right. Very cool. More to come then. Wow. That's she awesome. had quite the life, has had, is yeah. still having, but yeah. wowzers. Yeah, I am so happy, Melody Joy, that you no longer have to live a fucking lie. Yeah. Yeah. I love how she explains the pressure to stay in the cult because you're going to school there or, you know, there's just so much. Like her and her husband, douchebag extraordinaire, neither of them believed the church was true, but they couldn't leave because of their jobs, because of— Brigham Young. Brigham Young, because because of everything. Yeah. yeah, Family stuff. What is the dog chewing on? Um— Probably another one of your shirts, but let me find out. Ha- okay, I'm going to keep talking. I ha- I bought this pack of shirts that are all rolled up, and for some reason, Domino thinks they're his. He goes and he pulls a shirt out, and he takes it to downstairs, and he, like, plays with it. And so I think, yep, yeah, there you go. He decided to bring the whole damn bag down now. Guys, these are not your shirts. <laughs> they're not even his size. No. <laughs> <laughs> these would dwarf you, Domino. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's really into that. Mm-hmm. 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 And he likes to bring one slipper, which is not helpful. <laughs> it's not at it's all true. helpful. You guys yeah. suck. And he's like poking me with his nose on my leg. Like, give me some attention. That was a great letter. Um, it was. Wow, this church, it's just a fucking shit show. Yeah. People do things they wouldn't normally do because of the church. Yeah, she had to lie, or she learned to lie. She learned to lie to the point where she's like, I'm needing to unlearn how to lie. It became so natural because I had to do it. Uh Uh-huh. 
<sighs> fucking sucks. Lying for the Lord. And that whole thing about, yeah, will you tattle on your ex-husband so we can excommunicate him? What? Fuck off. Yeah, they didn't give a shit about anything that was damaging her. Uh-huh. But when her ex-husband wrote something that was anti-Mormon, they're like, we got to ex him. Let's get it her his wife. It probably was just actual Mormon history. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there is no such thing as anti-Mormon. It's factual church history. <laughs> I know. Okay? Speaking of that. Yeah. I heard again from Bryce Blankenagel today with another amazing <sighs> Bryce, I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. <laughs> For the next time uh, Diana's over, I will. Diana you loves you and hates again. you as well, Bryce. Great. Yeah, okay. it's going to be a great one. All right. Speaking of actual Mormon history, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't need to make up anti literature. It's already right there, and it's called history. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. God, yeah. So stupid. Anyway, Melody Joy, thanks so much yes, for writing thank in. Thank you. It was lovely. Yeah, it was great. As a reminder, everyone, Have if you your pet spayed or neutered. would like no? to send us a letter, we hope you do, please visit latterdaylesbian.org slash contact. I love them. Keep sending them in, people. Yeah, we love it. Or I love it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking for both of us. I love it. I'm going to use I statements. We love it. <laughs> I love that Whether she loves it in. or not, we love it. <laughs> okay. All right. Shelly's using we statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Do what you got to do. Let's wrap this one up. Wrap it up. Thanks for writing in. And we'll talk to you all again real soon. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.